Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Hey guys, Bob Flounders joined by Dave Jones on a Tuesday in-season Penn State, Wisconsin. Dave Jones is in Downingtown. I'm in Harrisburg. We're here to talk a little bit about James Franklin's Tuesday news conference. I thought there were some uh, interesting bits of info revealed. We're going to also do a game preview podcast a little later in the week, so you're going to get hear from us twice uh, in season, you lucky dogs. I want to welcome Dave Jones in. Uh, I want to congratulate him on Brett Bielema's performance on Saturday. You're mispronouncing his name. It's Bielema. Bielema. I'm doing it on purpose, and that's how, just how it's going to go. It's <laughs> just how it's going to go. Dave, how are you? I hit that mother, didn't I? Yeah. That was, yeah. Uh, I guess it ended up seven, Nebraska minus seven. Is that right? Uh, yeah. And they, they were, they, they fold their tents, man. The first sign of trouble, that team folds their tents. Not good. I don't know if that's fair. I mean, they were down 30 to nine. They, they actually made yeah, a that, They hit a big play, but they, the guy catches the ball on the one yard line for a safety. I mean, Who's coaching who out there? I don't know what's going on. That, that, they lost the passer on an interception. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Didn't it look like a team in its fourth year under that coach yeah. who continues to do the same yeah. knuckleheaded stuff while the other team in their first game under yeah. a coach looks about 100% tidier? Wasn't that, wasn't that true? Yeah. Scott Frost looks – I watched him on the sideline on Saturday. He didn't want to be there, I didn't think. And Arthur Sitkowski, Dave, just too much for the Black Shirts team. <laughs> Oldest Here. story in the book. It's our tour, okay? Our tour. Oh, all right? my gosh. We better get on to this Penn State stuff since people are probably like, why are they talking? Yeah, they, we, 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 can, we can save that stuff for Thursday. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it, uh, something that's on our minds, I suppose, a little bit, m- mainly the, the the regular beat people like you and um, Daniel more than me, but the depth chart thing. Do you think fans care about this? Uh, Franklin commented about it that he he didn't have any strong opinion on it either way. In case you didn't know, Penn right. State's not putting out a weekly depth chart this year. I don't know if fans look at that or they're interested. I suppose super fans do. Other people pretty much know who the starters are and don't really care about the second or third teamers. But he said that Michigan and Illinois and Michigan State and Minnesota and Nebraska and Ohio State and Purdue are all either considering not putting out one or not. So all things being equal, he just says, hey, it saves work, it saves time. Local guys know anyway. I blame Jim Harbaugh. How do you feel? Jim's been doing it for a while. Yes, I think that's true. And actually, Dave, Penn State has kind of watered down its depth chart the last few years. Any position, if you look on their depth chart, the last three or four years, there's just a lot of ores. So 
it's not really a big deal. I, I think he thought we were going to make a bigger deal out of it. No one really yeah, he was, he was answering the, it before we even asked him about he it. He was prepared, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 A couple of, there's a couple, there were one or two things that really struck me. I don't know if you picked up on it, but what I just want to, I want to kick it to you. I know you listened to uh, some, some of James today. Was there one or two things that he said jumped out at you? I know we're going to talk about the preview and actually analyze the game in a couple of days, but anything strike you that he's, that, that he talked about today? I think that Yurcich coaches Clifford hard. And uh, he kind of likes that. Uh, I think that he said something about the more veteran players you have, the more you know what yeah. you got week one. But, you know, everyone's got so many veteran players this year, including Wisconsin. I don't know if that yeah. washes this year, but I think in general that's probably true. And I thought the um, – to me, the uh, he isolated the only thing that matters. I think Adam Rittenberg asked uh, what what he hopes to learn from his mm-hmm. offense against Wisconsin's defense. Yep. And he eventually got to it, which is it all starts up front, and it's, it's their front against Wisconsin's front seven, and can we block them? Right. Um, he's distilling it to the truth. To me, that is the truth, and that's yep. the game on both sides of the ball. It usually is more early in the season because that's a constant. Uh, that's not going to enter into too much luck. Uh, that's not going to enter into too many uh, turnovers or drop balls or strange penalties or weird whistles. It, pretty much, if you can if you can handle the guys up front on both sides of the ball, that's going to be a constant. And especially in this game, I did some advanced stuff on Wisconsin yesterday mm-hmm. about how their offensive line's been a little cuffed up in practice, but both their offensive tackles are pretty stable. I think, in particular, uh, it's the other side of the ball. Wisconsin's offensive tackles against Penn State's defensive ends, especially on all those slant plays. What do you think of that? I like it. I like it. I was going in kind of in the direction you were. I thought I thought he re- he doesn't usually like to reveal things, but I think he said something that now I'm going to watch for on Saturday. He talked about he talked about Yersich and he talked about him being an aggressive coach, and that that means I think that. I think Mike, when he gets when he feels like there's going to be a chance to take shots down the field, you're going to see him. Then he also said, Jim Leonard's running the uh, Wisconsin defense. Jim Leonard was a great safety for Wisconsin about 20 years ago, a walk-on, three-time All-American. He's now their DC. I think he's one of the best DCs, Dave. Turn, uh, not I, only in the Big Ten, but nationally. He turn talked- down the turn down the Packers job. Yeah. Did you know that? Turned down the the Packers DC job to stay at Wisconsin. Yeah. I've been told by somebody I really trust within Wisconsin that he wants to be the coach in waiting. That 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 whenever Paul Chris decides to hang it up, he wants to be the next Wisconsin head coach, which I felt was pretty interesting because he, by all rights, Leonard should have been gone. He was a terrific player, wasn't he? Uh, Small big but physical, powerful. big yeah. physical safety. And he was the kind of guy who bled Wisconsin red, man. And, and I think he'd be a great choice. I did, was not aware of that uh, until I talked to, to my guy this week. Um, it's, it's interesting because I don't see any indication that Paul Christ is leaving anytime soon. But this guy's in it for the long haul, apparently. I mean, he could certainly be a head coach someplace right now and cash in. So that says a lot to me. 
Anyway, Dave, you interrupted my point, so I'm just going to make it again. So Mike Yersich is an aggressive coach. Jim Leonard, the Wisconsin, D.C. James talked about they play a lot of man coverage. So, And he said that they also adjust their blitzes on the fly better than just about anyone they see. They will add a player to their blitz if the back stays in. They'll recognize it right away. Dave, you remember last year how much Penn State struggled in pass protection against good teams. If Penn State can pick up this blitz because it's coming, I think you're going to see Wisconsin play a lot of man against a guy like Jahan Dotson or maybe even some of those big tight ends. I think Yersich versus Leonard is the matchup to watch. Uh, and I also think Penn State's going to have a chance to take some shots down the field. Number one, can they pick up? Can they pass protect and can can Sean Clifford accurately get the ball down the field? It sounds silly, but I, I think I think James is expecting an aggressive aggressive uh, attack from Leonard, and I think Yursich isn't afraid of it. And you're going to see them get a chance to get some plays down the field. I also have a matchup for people to watch. Um, their best corner is probably Fayon Hicks, number one. Yeah. And I expect to, he's the wide corner. I expect him to go up against Dotson. I think they think he can handle it. Um, one-on-one, which, which means less help from a safety. I would keep an eye on that whenever, whenever they're wide, uh, where, whenever they're, they're yeah. clearly uh, matched up against each other without obvious safety help, that's something to watch because yeah. it'll, it'll tell you a lot about what Penn State thinks it can do and whether Wisconsin can do what it thinks it can do too. Dave, you, do you remember? So the last time Penn State really had an aggressive OC, it was Joe Moorhead. Do you remember the Big Ten title game when Wisconsin came after to Penn State offense? Tried to get McSorley out of the game. They had T.J. Watt. They came after those guys. It worked early, but Saeed Blacknall went off on, in that game, and so did Mike Kosicki. Penn State went after this defense with an aggressive OC. They hit Barkley on the wheel route for a touchdown. Kosicki caught a long touchdown pass. They couldn't handle Saeed Blackton, I'm just wondering if maybe Mike Yersich might take a page out of that playbook and say, all right, I have a veteran quarterback. If you want to come after us, you better get home or else we're going to go after you down the field. You know what I would expect and what the wild card was there, and I don't know if we have it in this case, was Trace Trace McSorley taking a lot of abuse early. I think Joe Joe Moorhead intended to do that from the get-go. But his quarterback got beat up but was yeah. resilient, it, yeah. as, as resilient as any quarterback I've ever seen. It was right. like he was made out of rubber in that game. You remember right. when he got sandwiched? Early. Sack, the, the, the strip sack, that I believe that went for the uh, yeah. scoop and score down by the goal line. It looked like he might be out of the game. Man, he was tough. Yeah. I think that might have been Jim's first year. I, it might have been. I think he's in his No, oh, no. It was either Rand or it was Justin Wilcox, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I'm thinking more about Moorhead and Yursich kind of just saying, we're going to, if the matchup's there, we're going to try and exploit it. We're not afraid to, uh, to challenge you guys. I don't care how good, because Wisconsin had, was supposedly had great corners in that game too. And they got, they did, up. but they, they were up. little, they were little. Um, I don't think these corners are quite as small, but I don't think they're probably as good as those corners. Yeah. So my question is this, in order to get deep, your quarterback is going to have to get hit sometimes sure. and he's going to have to get up a few times. So is Sean Clifford going to hang in there and throw the ball? You know, who was underrated in, in doing that 
was was Anthony Morelli. <laughs> of all the abuse heaped on Morelli, he was willing to stand in there and deliver a ball. And in, in a way, he's kind of like uh, Clifford in that way. He's not going to be terribly mobile. Uh, I think this is the right kind of coordinator, the right kind of offense, purportedly, that we're going to see out of Yursich for yeah. Clifford. I think it's a real good match, those two. But but he's going to have to stand in there and and throw some balls. Can he take the abuse? And can he be resilient? Because he's going to get hit. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Dave, one topic I wanted to touch on with you is it really does appear that this year, Penn State's transfer portal additions are really going to pay off for them. I think there's four or five of them that are going to have key roles, the latest being Eric Wilson. The transfer from Harvard didn't even play last year. He didn't get on campus until the summer. He's already in line to split time at left guard with Anthony Wigan. I think he's probably maybe even better than Wigan. He's just still getting comfortable. But we talk about Eric Wilson. You talk about Johnny Dixon, who can play safety and corner. You talk about Arnold Ebikidi, who's going to be probably their number one rush end with Adisa Isaac out. Derek Tangelo, who played a lot of football at Duke, I think is definitely in the tackle rotation. I don't know about John Lovett, but it just seems like there's a lot of guys. Sometimes in years past, Dave, I don't know if you remember, they get guys via the transfer portal or the JUCO route, and they really don't help the team. I think this year, though, that this is going to be their best year of, in terms of adding impact talent via that transfer rule. I am really curious to see Ibikiri, uh, the kid from Temple. Uh, you know, he's, he's pretty much known as a speed end, a speed rushing end. I want to see whether he can withstand. They're going to test him, and uh, certainly the other side. I want to see him against, Penn, uh, against Wisconsin's tackles. I think that should be Logan Bruss on that side. I'm not positive, but either whether it's either Bruss or uh, Tyler Beach, it's going to be a challenge because those guys are big, you know, classic Wisconsin tackles. They're both, uh, you know, 6'5", 6'6", 320. It it would have been tough, especially for last year's uh, ends, and these guys are not going to have it easy. They're not going to just let you get away with – doing your specialty, you're going to have to be a three-down defensive end against this team. And so that's, those, are the, those are the particular matchups I'm looking at. Hey, Dave, so Franklin is 2-0 and against Wisconsin. The Big Ten title game was one win, actually, in 2018. They, they beat uh, Jonathan Taylor and some quarterback that wasn't very good, like 22-10, to one of the colder games I've been to. But, Dave, no fans last year. This game's going to be in Camp Randall. Pretty fun atmosphere. How big of how how big of a home field advantage in your mind is Camp Randall for Wisconsin? I think I saw a stat that said they've won like twenty four straight home openers or something like that. I, now I don't know that they played a lot of great teams to open the season at home, but what kind of a crowd advantage is that with the stand with the stands full 
first game of the year, first game with fans back since 2019. How big of a how big of a hill is that for kind of Penn State to kind of climb early? First of all, I'm going to put a name behind that quarterback you disparaged. You've always, a, you've always been a Jack Cone basher, and you still haven't stopped. You called him like a Barca lounger. Tweeted <laughs> <laughs> it. So you know, I've, I've got to get to this because I'll forget otherwise, and then I'll get to your question. But my guy, who's a very respected, I'm not going to name him, around Wisconsin circles, and I know all those guys, so it could be anybody. I'm not giving him away. He actually believes that Jack was and is a better quarterback than Graham Mertz, uh, which I found very surprising. So uh, he's not a big believer in Mertz. Mertz, of course, is the uh, the starter now, was the starter last year, was uh, a big-time recruit. I, I believe he was uh, Phil Steele's number four quarterback uh, in his class. So that, that really struck me. I, I, I remember the 22-10 to 10 game, but that was in Beaver Stadium. It was not – neither one of those wins for Franklin was at Wisconsin. Camp Randall right. is a party. I mean, I did my rankings of all the different venues because I've been to all of them so many times in the Big Ten a couple of years ago, and I rated it at the top for all different reasons. Madison's a beautiful campus town, especially if you go early uh, before it gets really cold, in, in between a couple of lakes. I don't think the the fans have there more of the fans there have fun and are just loud than are obnoxious. Like at Ohio State, so many look. I grew up there. I know. <laughs> I went to school there. I was one of them. You were obnoxious. You still are obnoxious. What I was one. Of, yeah, I was one of those. I was one of those kids back in the early eighties. It's it's not so much the kids as it's the. Uh, the non-grad hillbillies who come up uh, from hill country. I mean, it's a, it's an angry kind of a nasty crowd. And I would not put that on Wisconsin ever. It's a fun loving crowd, but they are loud and they, they, they like to have fun. I, I would compare it more to, to a Penn state crowd than anybody else in the league. Yeah. It's a factor, man. I mean, uh, I, I guess, uh, let's see. OB beat them in there, didn't he? That was uh, oh, that was the well, twenty-five point game. Yeah, the thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And they, yeah, they were a big underdog. Penn State's never really had like a, a problem being afraid of that place. Right. Uh, they played afraid a lot in Columbus, but not really in Madison for whatever reason. I would I would give them the benefit of the doubt in this case, but yeah, it's going to be different, especially since we haven't had fans. Yeah. Would your guy rate Jack Cone better than what was his name? I think he was a lefty, Scott Stanzi. Oh, we went through, quarterback. We we went through all of them, man. They're so bad. No, no, Ricky Stanzi was from Ricky Iowa. He was from Iowa. No, no, you're thinking of John Stocko, maybe, right? I think there was a quarterback whose first name was Scott at Wisconsin, and he played till he was 34. Every- <laughs> I can't remember who they all. There was Greg Samuel. The quarterback in that 2013 game for Wisconsin was terrible. I can't <laughs> remember was, who it was. There was there was Greg Samuel. Um, there's there's been a lot of a lot of guys. Daryl Bevel was he a Wisconsin guy? Oh yeah, Daryl Bevel who, who like ran a five two forty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who was who was there? He still has eligibility. Huh? He still has eligibility, but I think he's the OC. <laughs> For the Seattle uh, Seahawks, otherwise he'd be dead. Um, I there there have been so many of those guys. They're kind of like widgets. 
I mean, you, you, you plug them in and they used to be Barry, you know, I wrote some, uh, do you see what I wrote this for this morning about how, how many guys they, how many times they've had a feature back Wisconsin and the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks really are, are handoff machines. So yeah. often I, I, they don't, they don't feature the quarterback as much as other schools and never have. That's why Graham Mertz is a little bit different. I think he's the, the biggest recruit they've ever had. But my guy said something else that was interesting, that he's very much into this NIL stuff Uh-oh. in marketing himself, which, again, goes, flies completely against the grain at Wisconsin. I don't know. I, I don't think that's kind of washing too well, right, with, with Paul Christ. My, uh, my guy saw sort of a, a little uh, under-the-radar comment that, Paul made in a press conference about that, you know, maybe, maybe he should just tend to his uh, business and not worry about that kind of stuff. I don't know how he worded it, but there, there's a lot of things that are different in this Wisconsin team than, than, than your typical one. And the, the feature back thing is another, I mean, their feature running back such that he is, is a kid from, he's a transfer. Clemson. Uh, from Clemson. And um, it, it, the Jalen Berger was the, uh, was the incumbent, and he's not going to start. It's a kid named Ches Malusi. And it could be really good for Penn State that they, they're hitting Wisconsin extremely early because they, don't really, they, they really don't have one guy that they look like they've chosen, that they've picked. And the running back coach, oddly enough, is a guy named Gary Brown, who, Williamsport. who was not chosen uh, as a feature back by Joe Paterno. And then went and had an incredible career. I mean, Joe tried to make him into a strong safety. Well, that's um, what Joe does. The year, yeah. I mean, but he was a pretty good strong safety yeah. too. And they had they had Leroy Thompson and, and Blair Thomas, so they didn't need him. But I mean, I mean, he goes to the Oilers. He has like a nine year yeah. career in the pros. Leads the NFL in rushing one year, and ironically enough, leads the NFL in carries another year. For San Diego, who was who was quarterback in San Diego in '97? Who who was that back then? Oliver, somebody, yeah, somebody who who was not, yeah, Stan Humphreys, maybe, yeah, uh, that makes sense, Stan Humphreys, like yeah, yeah, somebody, somebody anonymous, and Bobby Ross yeah. coached then still or no? Pardon me, was Bobby Ross coaching the Chargers or was he out by then? Yeah, right in that time, so. Yeah, Gary Brown was the, was their feature back and got a ton of carries. So I, I think it's funny that the, the school that so often has a guy with 300 carries in a season, right? Uh, they don't really know what they're going to do. And the guy coaching them was at Penn State where he couldn't get he couldn't get any carries, and now and then in the NFL he got all sorts of carries. It just strikes me as funny. Yeah. One more thing before we go, Dave. I'm- I'm excited to see this pairing at outside linebacker for Penn State. I know I've talked ad nauseum about Brandon Smith, and I'm on that bandwagon. Uh, Curtis Jacobs is going to start uh, at the other outside linebacker spot. Uh, James is pretty high on him in the press conference today. I played wide out, a thousand yard receiver uh, at McDonough in Maryland at one point. He's 6'1, 230. He's going to play the open side, the strong side. They're going to move Brandon. He's the weak side, but he's going to be actually be in the box closer to the line of scrimmage. I still don't know about what they have in the middle yet. I think it's going to be Ellis Brooks, and I think he can be a good player. I just think the athleticism on the outside for Penn State on the edges, I'm eager to see what 
what they can do. But again, like you said, when you play a team, I think it's better when, against a spread offense. But when you're going to play Wisconsin and they're determined to run the ball if they have the lead, all that athleticism maybe isn't all that great if you're right. a little right. undersized. Right. So I just don't know how that's going to play out. I really think, and we'll talk about it more later in the week, but Penn State just has to get off to a fast start. They just cannot let Wisconsin dictate terms in the second half. Or I just think we've seen some games out there when, when Brett Bielema was coaching where they got the lead in the, in the third quarter and it was just, it was just smash mouth. That 2006 game where Joe Paterno got hurt, uh, they, just had a, they had a guy named P.J. Hill that was like 270 pounds and he was just running over Sean Lee. I mean, Sean would be there waiting for him, but it didn't matter. So I think, I think that's going to be a key to watch. But I am excited to watch those two work this year. They're awfully fast, and I think they're going to be very good by the end of the year. Uh, where do you see Locata in this game? So I, I've been watching him a little bit in practice, and I just think that they, they like Jesse, and they think he's going to play a lot, but I don't think they like him more than they like Ellis Brooks. They also... When I've seen him at defensive end, and he's supposedly going to be in the rotation. That's what I'm getting at. They have him standing up. So I don't think he's a guy that is going to play with his hand in the ground. Which is what you need. I think they're almost going to be in a 3-4 if he's at defensive end because he's really more like an extra linebacker than he is, I think, a defensive end. But we'll see. I don't know how much he's going to play. But without Isaac, after Nick Tarburton, and Arnold Ebikidi, he's going to have to probably be in the top three or four. So I just hope it's not a situation where Penn State's forced to use their starters for too many steps and they get worn down. But Jesse is a guy I think that they've talked about this hybrid role. I still want to see him at end. I think he's going to be a guy that sets the edge when he's in the game. He can do that. But he's 250 pounds. We'll see. Well, if you had to isolate the strength of the Penn State, defense among all the three units, what would it be? Oh, it's the secondary. That's right. It's the secondary. So this is the way I see what Pry will do. I'm guessing, but I think it's a pretty educated guess. He's going to bring support. He's going to bring run support. I don't think, I I, I can't see that he's off all that comfortable with uh, his edge defenders against those big Wisconsin tackles. He's going to have to bring run support. His corners are going to be out on an island. It comes down to Graham Mertz and Danny Davis and, and whether the Penn State secondary can go man up on those guys and win more times than not and whether Graham Mertz can, can hit them in stride. Or if, if Wisconsin, God, God help Penn State if this happens, if they bring support and Wisconsin runs over them anyway, then look yeah. out. Look I out. Think, I, I, I really do feel like if Penn State gets off to a, some can get a lead, I think – with Noah Kane back, I just think they're a little bit more equipped if they have a lead in the second half to kind of close teams out. They were able to do it at Iowa when Noah Kane was in the game two years ago. He had a nice game against Pittsburgh in the second half, scored the only touchdown in that 17-10 to 10 game. I, I just think that then, you know, he kind of closed out, not that he, they needed to, but he was the guy that was on the field a lot against Memphis in that fourth quarter when they just completely, finally, were able to kind of take over that game. I. I, I would say the formula is there for Penn State to win the game, but it's got to go a very specific way if Penn State's going to win the game. Quarterbacks are going to be very important in this game, and both quarterbacks were, were erratic last season. Uh, you, could, you could blame COVID 
for a lot of what happened to Mertz. I don't know if you could blame the same quite as much with Clifford. These are quarterbacks with some questions and how they play, how well they play, how well they're prepared for what they're going to see is going to go a long way to, to deciding who wins this game. All right, I like it. We don't want to reveal too, reveal too much because we're going to be back actually going a little bit more in depth about our picks and what we think will be the keys in a couple of days. But we wanted to talk a little bit about what James Franklin said on his first in-season Tuesday news conference. So, Dave, let's call it for uh, our first in-season podcast here on the Blue White Breakdown. Once again, you, Brett Bielema, I mean, it's just it just feels like Greg Schiano gets off to a fast start. It just feels like, from my perspective, Dave, it's going to be a huge, huge year for you this year when it comes to predicting Big Ten games. You're off and running, buddy. Super genius, super genius. I even got a, a, a shout-out from Brett Ciancia because he didn't believe me when I was on the phone talking about that Nebraska-Illinois with Nebraska, uh, Illinois game, but, but it happened. Yeah, it's going to be very much tougher for Rutgers. I'm trying to find all, oh God. Oh, how about, how about, uh, Brooks Bollinger? Was that, that the, the Brooks Bollinger? That, yes. Is that the kid the, you were talking about? I yeah. swear there was a guy named Scott, <laughs> somebody, where like, he was like 36 years old, he was like 6'6, <laughs> couldn't move his feet. I think he was a lefty. I, yeah. No, that was Greg Samuel. He was the you lefty. You know what? Ask your guy about him. He'll know. Nah, we're, we're done with that. We'll, uh, I guess we'll see you Thursday, correct? Yeah, we're gonna we'll probably tape it a little bit before Thursday, hint, but it'll be up Thursday morning, guys. It's been great talking to you. Dave and I will be back uh in a couple days. And don't forget about our predictions because they're almost always right. <laughs> <laughs>